Warning, me time and murder is intended for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. <laughs> oh, for God's sake, here Dancing it goes. around him, reciting <laughs> poetry. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> oh my God. That's crazy. No. Why? <laughs> oh, well, big surprise. Oh God. <laughs> Dead on the bathroom floor. <gasps> Did it? It's okay. Oh. <laughs> Okay, Trez, what are you drinking? Today I am drinking a Thompson's, just standard tea. Okay. Full caffeine. What are you drinking today, Maria? Today I am drinking Country Time Lemonade. Nice and cold. Do you put ice in it? I do have ice in it, yes. Mm, Probably needs it. It does. Okay, and for me time, Mm. I thought I would just... Uh, do a shout out. So it's going to be a little bit of a different me time. Mm-hmm. For me time, I would like to recommend a book. If you're looking for a book to read during the upcoming holidays, you should definitely check out Holding Her Breath by our girl, Emer Ryan. Woohoo! Yay! The Irish Times gave the novel a glowing review. Quote, Holding Her Breath does not feel like a debut novel. It shows the deft assurance of someone who has spent years training for this. A sparsely written, emotionally affecting coming-of-age story feels entirely fresh. End quote. Yeah, sometimes me time is filling your brain with words. Totally agree. Mm -hmm. Oh, a a book is like total me time. Mm -hmm. That's a very convincing um, review as well. Mm-hmm. That would make me want to read it. Mm-hmm. Also, I love the cover. The cover is so cute, right? It's like a little... Love it, yeah. I don't know who illustrated that. It's really It is nice. a good illustration. And Emer Ryan is uh, one of our Patreons. So just thank you, Emer, for being a Patreon supporter. Yeah. As this is not a Patreon episode, we can like shout out our patrons. Thank you, Renee. Thank you, Stephanie. Thank you, Emer, again. Thank you, Justin. Thank you, Vicky. Thank you, Deborah. Thanks, Jen. Thank you, Toya. Thank you, Laura. And thank you to Jason. Okay. Thank you, guys, for supporting us. And if you want to hear, if you want to hear, if you want to listen to extra episodes, I can't speak today. If you want to listen to extra episodes, we have more on Patreon. Yeah, there's a good few up there now. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We just finished recording uh, another one. Mm-hmm. It was a good one. It was. It was different. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. And I thought that we could also start acknowledging people who are leaving us fantastic reviews on Apple Podcast and Spotify. Oh, we love reviews. Yes. The title of this review is, I binged this and now I look forward to it every week. Five stars. Ah, so nice. I love the variety of cases that you guys pick and hearing all of the skincare stuff. Also, Pucka Tea should sponsor you because I went and bu- <laughs> <laughs> I went and bought the this vanilla chai. This is what I said the other day. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, go on. I went and bought the vanilla chai because of this bon- podcast. <laughs> uh, yeah, vanilla chai is where it's at. Uh-huh. And the, is, there, is there a username? Yeah, so glad I 
I find okay. this to listen to. That is written by McCann, M-A-K-A-A-N, 313 via Apple Podcast from United oh, States of America. That's a lovely review. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, from the US. Okay. And we appreciate reviews. So, oh my God, Trace, did you know that you can now, I don't know if this has always been available, but you can give stars on Spotify? No, I didn't know that. I did not know that. I think it might be a new feature. Mm-hmm. So you can just like tap on like the stars at the top to give a review and give right. and give Me Time and Murder five stars. That's super fast and easy to do. Let's do that, guys. I'm going to do it myself. <laughs> I, did it. I did it as well. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Get Dan to do okay. it. Jaren, get your Spotify out. He does. He does like our episodes. He does listen. Like, not like Jaren does not listen. No, Jared, no, Dan does not listen. He doesn't listen? He listens to me all the time in the house. Do you think he wants to listen to me again? <laughs> <laughs> he couldn't cope. But he likes the, he likes the post. He is. He's very, I see he likes That's them. his contribution. Doesn't he? He's very good at that. He's very active on our Instagram. But he's kind of like happy though. He gives a lot of people likes, so we're not special. Oh. I'm afraid to sit. Yeah, he's one of those people. I'm very selective. Are you? I think I it's good to be like. Yeah. It doesn't cost you anything to to like. It something. doesn't, but I don't know. There's, there's just not that nice of a person. I, just, <laughs> I, don't know. I, I have to. I, yeah, people really need to deserve the like. Oh, they have to really like what? Really blow you know. away? Well, I, I don't know. I need to really like it <laughs> for the like. Well, it's it's in the word. But yes, that's really cool on Spotify. Okay. Yeah. So all those little like likes and stuff, they help guys. So please, please. Oh yeah, no, they actually mean something for a podcast. Oh yeah, yeah, especially for a podcast. They're so like Yeah. They're just podcasts are invisible unless they get support from the mm-hmm. listeners, you know? Okay, so today we're covering a very requested case. And it's not requested by many people, that's not what I mean, but if my friend Jamie has been requesting this since the first week of our podcast (laughs) and I'm only getting around to it now okay he's been waiting very patiently and he's getting impatient at the moment because it's been over a year I wanted to wait until we had more followers because today we are covering the murders of Holly Wells and Jessica Chapman oh this is going to be intense a lot of the cases we cover you don't really know or I don't really know, mm-hmm. yeah, but... Mm-hmm. You usually, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can't not know this case. We grew up with right. it on the television. Right. Unfortunately. It is so yeah. famous. Mm-hmm. Um, and where is Jamie? Is Jamie from England? Jamie is from Manchester. Okay. Um. Actually, I thought that this case happened in Manchester, so I actually did learn a lot whenever I was writing it. Oh, I'll probably learn a lot. Mm-hmm. You think you know, but you don't mm-hmm. really know. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So I think he he's from Manchester. And like, obviously it was like really famous because they were wearing the Manchester United football kits. I know, I yeah. remember. Yeah. Okay, so I will just dive into it. I didn't have a lot of background on the girls. Um, this is really... Like, they were very young, and it was before the internet really... I know, that wouldn't be out. It was before the internet really took off and stuff, so there's not really... I don't know. But what I could find was that Holly Marie Wells was born on the 4th of October, 1991, 
she loved music. And Jessica Amy Chapman was born on the 1st of September, 1991, and she loved to swim. Both girls had lots of friends, very popular, and both attended St. Andrew's Primary School in the very small village of Sobham, Cambridgeshire, England. At 11.45am on Sunday, the 4th of August, 2002, Jessica Chapman left her home in Brook Street, Soham, to attend a barbecue at the home of her best friend, Holly Wells. Before leaving, Jessica excitedly told her parents she was going to give Holly a necklace engraved with the letter H. Oh. I know. Jessica bought the necklace for Holly while, while on a family holiday. So sweet. I know. Jessica's parents told her to have fun at the party, but she must be back before her curfew at 8.30pm. Jessica agreed with her parents, then made her way to her besties. The two girls and another friend, Natalie, played computer games and listened to music for about an hour when Natalie left Holly's house and went home. After Natalie left, Holly and Jessica wanted a photo taken of them supporting their favourite football team, Manchester United. The girls were both huge fans of David Beckham. (laughs) (laughs) He would have been massive at the time. Huge. Wouldn't he? Yeah. He would have been very young. We were talking about David Beckham today. He was... Really? Beautiful. Like, beautiful. Oh, yeah. Oh, gosh. Oh, yeah. He still is a very handsome man. He, oh, yeah. Probably wasn't married to Victoria back then. Probably not. Maybe dating? She would have been... She would have still been in the Spice Girls. <gasps> yeah, the Spice Girls would have been... Gosh, going. different times. Oh, great times. Great times. Wasn't it? Yeah. All that fashion's back in now. It was good fashion. I love platform heels. It was. Well, some of it was questionable. <laughs> oh, they love David Beckham. Oh, yeah. people used to put posters of him up, you know, in their lockers and stuff. They did, I remember. <laughs> so cringe when you think. And didn't he, like, make it, like, popular for boys to, like, dye the tips of their hair yes. blonde? Do you remember yes, that? everybody had tips. <laughs> oh, you're right. Yeah. I got sick of the tips. And then it was just I like, got sick of looking yeah, at them. Everybody had it and it was just too much. It, because especially like not every hairdresser could do it well. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. some of them just looked really bad. <laughs> just like yellow tips. <laughs> oh God, so funny. So Holly put on her jersey and Jessica put on Holly's brother's jersey. Mm-hmm. At 5.04pm, unknowingly, Mrs. Wells took the girl's very last photo. Mm -hmm. this would be the very distinctive infamous and tragic photo seared into people's minds in 2002 Mm -hmm. it was like the first thing that you mentioned was the photo yeah did I yeah Mm -hmm. you were like oh I'll never forget that photo god it's on every magazine newspaper Mm -hmm. tv Mm -hmm. I didn't don't think I realized that that was their ever last like last ever photo yeah, very like Not literally, nice. literally their last ever photo. Their last ever. <gasps> God. The photo, for those who don't know, shows the two ten-year-olds side by side, wearing the red Manchester United jersey with white and black trim, a Vodafone logo in the center, and the yellow red Manchester United cloth patch in the upper right shoulder. 
The girls both have a lovely summer glow, as it was August, and both girls are wearing the necklaces that Jessica had bought while in Spain. Oh my god, it's heartbreaking. I'm not sure do I... I'm looking at the photo now. I'm not sure that I remember all those little details. Sure, I wouldn't have really known what the necklaces were, but I'm looking at yeah, them now. Yeah, same. I didn't know about just, the necklaces. No, just breaks your heart. And so, just so I'm clear, is Holly blonde? Holly is the blonde, yes. Yeah, so it's Jessica that has a braid. Do you remember those holiday braids? Oh, yeah, you would get them in Spain. And then you could never yeah. get them taken out. And you would have to like... So usually people just cut it out. <laughs> yeah, just cut out. <laughs> yeah, she's got one of those. It's really pretty yellow and purple. Oh, After the photo was taken, the girls ate dinner with the, with the Wells' family and friends. At about half past six, the girls went back upstairs to play in Holly's bedroom. At 8pm, Mrs. Nicola Wells entered her daughter's bedroom to invite the girls to say goodbye to the house guests, only to discover both children were not there. Oh my god. They had been upstairs mm-hmm. in the house. You'll have to listen. Okay. Yeah, I was a bit like a lot of these like fine details I did not remember. I don't remember that they were in the house. No. It'll come into it. Okay. Feeling very rattled, Nicola and her husband Kevin hurriedly searched their house and nearby streets, shouting the girls' names. It is now 8.30, Jessica's curfew, and the Chapmans are getting concerned that their youngest daughter still hasn't shown up. Then the house phone rings. Nicola Wells has called to ask if perhaps Holly and Jessica had went over to the Chapman's house? Leslie and Sharon mm-hmm. Chapman said no, the girls had not come here. The Chapmans frantically searched the parks and the streets around by them also, but to no avail. At 9.55pm, the distraught Wells and Chapman reported their 10-year-old daughters missing to the local police. Police immediately launched an intensive search to locate the missing children. Over 400 police officers were assigned full time to search for the girls. The officers conducted intensive house-to-house inquiries all across Soham. Hundreds of local volunteers came out to help, as well as some of the United States Air Force personnel who were stationed at nearby air bases. Wow. Yeah, I didn't know that. happened to be there. So... There's like a nearby US airbase and some of them came out to help us. Well, that was useful. Yes. Okay. I don't think they flew though. Well, maybe they did. I'm sure they did. They probably, can I just ask about, you might be, you'll circle back to it, but the room, was there a sign of a break-in into the bedroom? No. And like, was the bedroom upstairs? Okay, I'll just tell you Bizarre. now. I'll just tell you no. now. Do you want to know? No, I don't want to ruin it. Well, okay. <laughs> I don't Whatever. want to ruin it. Whatever you want. I'm very impatient. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we'll get to it. We'll get you to see, it. See, I didn't know how... I didn't know whether... I know. ...to put that bit into it or leave it to be told. Leave it. Mm-hmm. Leave it. Trust your gut. <laughs> to assist... In their public appeals for information, the police released the infamous photograph of the children taken less than two hours before their disappearance. Oh 
I know. A physical description of each girl was also released to the media, describing both girls as being white, approximately four foot six, slim. Jessica was described as being tanned with shoulder length brown hair. And Holly was described as being fair with blonde hair. In news interviews, the parents of both girls were adamant their daughters would not talk to strangers, a rule repeatedly told to them since early childhood. Suspecting that the girls must have been kidnapped, investigators questioned all registered sex offenders in the Cambridgeshire and neighbouring areas. Over 260 registered sex offenders all across the UK, including 15 high-risk paedophiles, were also questioned and eventually all eliminated from the inquiry. Kind of scares me that there's 15 high-risk paedophiles, but okay. I know, and it's like, what does that mean? Does that mean they just haven't struck yet? What's a high-risk paedophile? Like, they're likely to strike? That really freaks me out. Yeah, me too. It's like, what does that mean? I guess, yeah, they can't do anything unless they've done anything. Oh, Oh my God. So that's a lot of people, 260. So they they Mm -hmm. looked into all of them. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Police also investigated the possibility the girls went to meet someone they had met online. But this, too, was irrelevant. Another dead end in the search was, only a few days after the children's disappearance, Stratfordshire Police contacted the Cambridgeshire Police to report their suspicions the girls could have been abducted by the same man responsible for an abduction which had occurred in their jurisdiction a year ago. This man had abducted and assaulted a six-year-old girl and a 12-year-old girl and was spotted driving a green Ford Mondeo a vehicle recently sighted in Cambridgeshire. (gasps) Police were sure this was their man, a serial abductor and rapist, but perhaps the girls were still alive. Information about the unknown suspect and car was televised on BBC's Crime Watch, alerting the public to please be on the lookout for this green car. Shortly after, a taxi driver called the police stating that he had seen a green car in Soham with a suspicious driver thrashing with children in the car. The taxi man gave details of where this car had gone. Ultimately, this green car also proved irrelevant and a waste of time in regards to Holly and Jessica's disappearance. On the 6th of August, two days after... Holly and Jessica had went missing. Manchester United football star David Beckham made a public appeal for the girls to return <gasps> home. Oh my god. Yeah. Did he? I didn't know that. I didn't know. I didn't know that. It's so sad. Oh yeah. <gasps> the next day, the 7th of August, a candlelit vigil was held by the community for the girls' return. By the 8th of August, Four days after the girls' disappearance, the police had only reached dead ends. And so police decided to release to the public the CCTV footage of the girls, recorded only minutes before their disappearance. This footage depicted 
Holly and Jessica walking into the local sports centre at 6.28pm. Okay. Did their mum know that they went there? No. So it seems that they had like sneaked out of the house. Oh, no. They sneaked out of the house at like a little bit after six to go to the vending machine in the local sports centre. Yeah. I know. I could so see me doing that. (laughs) I know. The amount of times that we like sneaked down to the corner shop to go buy some candy. Yeah. 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 And like vending machines are so like exciting, putting the money in. Mm-hmm. And, oh, such a like child thing to do. It is, it really is. <gasps> oh, didn't know that. Well, I don't know, maybe I did. I, maybe I've just forgotten. Oh, I don't know. On the 12th of August, both parents were interviewed on ITV's Tonight, a popular TV programme. Other family members and friends of both girls also appeal that also appealed via the media for the safe return of the children. These appeals for information regarding their whereabouts would see more than 2,000 phone calls and tips <gasps> from the public wow. who just wanted to help. That's a lot. Mm-hmm. Mark Truck informed police that he had driven past the girls in Soham Town at approximately 6.30pm on the day of their disappearance. He'd be right. Mm-hmm. He's seen them after they left the local sports shop. House. Centre. Oh, oh, so they're only in there a couple of minutes getting the... Yeah, so they entered Oh. at like oh. 6.28. And then he's seen them okay. at about 6.30. Yeah. Okay, two minutes later. Okay. His attention had been drawn to their matching Manchester United t-shirts, causing him to mm-hmm. m- remark to his wife, Lucy, look, there's two little Beckhams over there. Mm-hmm. A young woman also reported to police that she she had seen the girls in Manchester United shirts, while another woman in a neighbouring village, she said she'd seen the girls the morning after their disappearance. Police also acted on statements regarding a suspicious white van, but this van proved to be fruitless. A jogger reported to police... A jogger reported to police that he had come across two little mounds of dirt, perhaps a burial site. What? An overnight examination of this location revealed that the two mounds of earth were simply badger sets. But one tip and one sighting of the girls stood out from the others. The girls disappeared on the 4th of August. On the 5th, one individual came forward saying he had literally spoken with the girls immediately before their disappearance in his front garden. And this man was 28-year-old Ian Huntley. He informed police... Really? Okay. Sorry, go on. No, I don't want to give anything away for anyone who possibly <laughs> doesn't... I think it's impossible that... But it's bad that someone doesn't know. He informed police that he had engaged in a brief conversation with both girls. According to Ian Huntley, Holly and Jessica were both happy as Larry. The girls had briefly stopped to ask if his girlfriend, Maxine Carr, had been successful in a recent application for a full-time teaching assistant position at their school. Maxine was the girls' like class teaching assistant. Mm-hmm. Ian told the girls Maxine had not been successful. One of the girls had said, oh, tell her we're sorry. Then, according to Ian, both girls left. 
Police were suspicious of Ian Huntley's accounts of the girl's disappearance. He seemed, he seemed shifty. So his house was searched by a single officer the same day as his statement, August 5th. Mm-hmm. Upon entering the house, the officer noticed there had been recent and extensive cleaning. <gasps> Ian quickly said to the officer, excuse the dining room, we had a flood. This officer was unconvinced by Ian Huntley's claims and was especially suspicious of his agitated demeanour. When the officer went to the back garden, he also noticed numerous items of clothing upon the washing line, despite the fact it had been raining. Of course, this is not incriminating evidence. There are plenty of morons (laughs) who leave their washing out Mm -hmm. on the line during the rain. Yeah. But who is Ian Huntley. Ian Kevin Huntley was born on the 31st of January 1974. He seemed to have a pretty average working class life. As a child he developed a heavy interest in planes and grew up to have a hobby in plane spotting. After high school he worked a succession of menial jobs although he could never hold one down for very long. When Ian was 20 he married his 18 year old girlfriend of two months. However, the pair were already broken up a week later due to his violent temper. On one occasion, he is known to have beat her so extensively she suffered a miscarriage. Oh, God. Shortly after their separation, Ian's wife formed a relationship with and later married Ian Huntley's younger brother, Wayne Huntley. Oh, I don't know. I think I would move further away from that family. Right. Also, Wayne and Ian. Wayne and Ian. Ian. And they probably look fairly similar too. (laughs) I mean, shut that door. Just shut that door. Yeah, there's bound to be other people to choose from in this town, love. Dude, yeah. Between August 1995 and May 1996, Ian Huntley established numerous sexual relationships with teenage girls, all of whom were under the legal age of consent. Mm -hmm. Three of these girls were aged 15 and one 13. One of these girls would become pregnant and give birth to a baby girl in 1998. Yes. Uh, yeah. Do we know which one it was? I didn't know he had impregnated a child. I don't remember any of that. No idea. No, mm-hmm. I had no idea. Although reported to police on three occasions, Ian was never charged for any of these statutory rape offences. What? Mm-hmm. As all of the girls denied having sex with him. Oh. Like they wouldn't, they wouldn't prosecute they were afraid. him. It was like, they could be afraid. Mm-hmm. Yep. Afraid of him because he was violent? He was violent. It was probably more their parents wanted to prosecute mm-hmm. and they refused, mm-hmm. you know. Each refused to file criminal complaints and or refused offers of help from social services. Despite not being charged with any of these offences, rumours of Ian Huntley's sexual interest in underage girls soon became community gossip. And he was regularly insulted, verbally insulted by neighbours and colleagues. They would want him out, you see. Um, instead of changing his ways and, you know, contemplating, oh, well, maybe being a pedo isn't cool, 
Ian just rebuffed any offers to socialise with colleagues as he was scared of being attacked while alone in their company. In April 1998, 22-year-old Ian Huntley was arrested on suspicion of raping an 18-year-old woman. He admitted engaging in sex with the claimant, but claimed the act had been consensual. He was not formally charged with this offence. And then, just one month later, Ian was charged and jailed for a week after another 18-year-old woman came forward. Only a month later, saying that she had been beaten and raped by Ian while walking home from a night from a local nightclub. Oh my god. The woman further stated that Ian had threatened to kill her before raping her. Again, Ian said this was consensual. The criminal charge was dropped a week later after CCTV footage from the nightclub found the two socialising in the nightclub. <laughs> I know. I was like... I have to, like, literally uh, laugh out loud at that. I know. <laughs> oh, yes, everybody that I have socialised with, I want to sleep with. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh, my God. Yeah, I was, like, so angry when I read so that. Much. I know. Oh, my God, I hate that so much. That poor woman. I know. Uh, fuck oh, me. that poor woman. Oh, my God. It still happens today. Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah. As a result of this criminal complaint, further rum- rumours regarding Ian's sexual violence added fuel to the flames of community gossip, this time resulting in Ian being fired from his job and forcing him to move back into his mom's house. He was also forbidden from initiating contact with his baby daughter or her mother. In July 1998, police were notified that Ian had also sexually assaulted an 11-year-old girl the previous year, also threatening to kill the child if she informed her mother. Again, he was never charged with this offence. How can so many things happen? So Uh, many. uh, I I know. What the fuck? Like, he's just getting away with everything. So, so, so he is not on a list. No, he's not on a list because because there were dropped. The charges were dropped so many times. Mm-hmm. Should they not have like a list that's like not the official list, but like nearly made the list list? <laughs> like Do a, you know what I mean? I know what you mean. Like there should be like an arrest list sort of thing almost you know well, like i know not everyone has rested has done the thing that they did but yeah. if you are if there are charges that are nearly brought like five different times for the exact same thing hmm, maybe there's something there yeah hmm. right there's like so you know many I mean? yeah yeah can we not record that can we not like keep an eye on that like what mm-hmm. it seems like what? it's on the i think police have a record of arrests right Oh yeah, but like I mean, when when they searched for those two hundred and sixty pedophiles, shouldn't there have been like a secondary list where it's like not official pedophile, but you mm-hmm. know, keep an eye on these people? I don't know. I know it's a lot of work. Is that but, the fifteen like, high risk pedophiles? No, no. What remember, it was two hundred and sixty pedophiles. Yeah, but I'm just saying, what is what is the pre list? Was that? I don't. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's just all very worrying. It is. 
By 2001, Ian Huntley's proven and alleged criminal activities had been reported to the police on 10 separate occasions and to the social services on five occasions. What? I know it's kind of abrupt, but that's where we're going to leave this episode. Yeah. Sure, we'll pick it up on the next one, guys. Bye-bye. Slanawalia for now. Bye-bye. Me Time and Murder would like to thank and acknowledge our sources that make this podcast possible. References can be found on our Instagram page. 